but I hate when I feel like this and I never hated you. Neurotica is a weekly podcast going to the deepest, darkest parts of the mind and bringing them to light. Topics range on mental illness, behavior, and perception, and more. Please be warned, many episodes contain trigger warnings. If you ever have thoughts of suicide, please call the suicide hotline at 1-800-273-8255. Hey everybody, welcome to Neurotica. We are about a week and a half from the Eagles home opener, and I know that doesn't sound a lot like mental illness, but that's very relevant for today's episode because we're going to talk about, you know, the Eagles and what they meant to us. So I know a lot of people have seen the movie Silver Lines Playbook, but I don't think it quite gets into the depth of what the Eagles mean to a fan, especially one that struggles day to day and really looks for the Eagles. So Today, I wanted to introduce uh, Seamus Clancy to the podcast. How are you doing, Seamus? Hey, doing well, Cody. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, so if you don't know Seamus, he's pretty active in the Philly Twitter community. Uh, he used to write for Liberty Ballers, the Sixers site. But uh, what drew me to him and asked, wanted to ask him to come to the podcast is he wrote something for Bleeding Green Nation. And um, even like two days ago, I think you had like a tweet that kind of hit on what we're talking about. Um, you know, the Eagles mean a lot to us, and we both struggle with mental health problems and they kind of intertwined a lot. So, I, Seamus, you you want to give a rundown of essentially what that Bleeding Green Nation post was? Sure. It was two years ago. It was during Carson Wentz's rookie season. The Eagles got off to a pretty exciting start that year. They were 3-1. and one. Wentz did really well the first few games. Things were really looking up after the sort of terrible end to the Chip Kelly era. But at that same time in my life, I was originally scheduled to graduate from college in... May of 2016, I did not graduate on time due to some mental health issues that we can get into later, but just a quick overview. So at that point, I was had to take a year off from school. I had to, I wasn't allowed to re-enroll until the following fall, so fall 2017, so I kind of have a year to kill. Um, just in a really shitty part of my life, drinking a lot, working as a construction worker on a 9-to-5 job that was terrible that I was extremely unqualified to do and terrible at and I'm getting up every morning and thinking like holy shit I blew it I flunked out of an Ivy League school and now I am working at a con- as a construction worker in North Philly every day and I want to still want to kill myself yes but at that same time this is I started working there maybe July August uh, but time September rolled around and I had been there for a few months, the Eagle season started. So then when I was at work, I would listen to 97.5 or 94.1 or different Eagles podcasts to get me through the day while I was at this terrible construction job that I should not have been working at. And it made it better because the Eagles were doing well. And since Donna McNabb had left and I know that era was sort of controversial in people's opinions of him, but as someone who grew up in that era and was a fan of Donovan, I loved him and we always felt that I had a chance to watch the Eagles win the Super Bowl when he was their quarterback. And for almost a decade in between, we always had a sort of guy, but never the guy, whether it was Nick Foles 1.0, Michael Vick, Kevin Cobb, or Sam Bradford, Mark Sanchez, any of those guys. But- yeah, and I definitely wanted to hit on that because um when I was a kid, Eagles were the only thing. There was no other Philadelphia sports teams. There's no Flyers. There's no Sixers. There's no Phillies. 
Um, but as I got into middle school, I really started into sports. I used to be one of those people who just like I'd watch ESPN all day. I'd watch Sports Center just to watch the Phillies highlights over and over. Um, but that didn't hit till middle school. It was always Eagles all the time. And I remember 2004 too distinctly crying my eyes out because Tom Brady went Tom Brady. So as I begged my parents not to let me go to school the next day. Yeah, but I had to go. Yeah, and I remember even like one of my friends was like a Steelers fan, and the next year they won, and he got to lord that over me. But um, we were we were pretty blessed though to be growing up in that McNabb Andy Reid era where there was always success. They always seemed to be like the like one of the top offenses or top defenses in the league. And we had that for a good period of time, but we never got that, you know, ultimate payoff. And that's, I think, where, like, when we start to hit that rut, that's where I started looking into other teams like the Sixers and the Phillies. And obviously, we got to experience the Phillies 2008 World Series, and that's great and all. But there was always that part of me. It's like, it's got to be the Eagles. I can't, I can't die until I see the Eagles. I remember being at the Eagles parade with my best friend, Mike, and my father. And I remember saying to my dad, and he unequivocally agreed that, this is really awesome, but this would be a lot better if it was the Eagles. Yeah. And so the Phillies parade. Yes, know, correct. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I completely agree. Like the Phillies, like I was, I was so into it, I was so excited. Um, and I, I, I'd say now, like my biggest fandom is the Sixers, and I think a lot of that came down to Chip Kelly. I think Chip Kelly kind of ruined football <laughs> for me, and I, I think we give Chip Kelly a hard time because of you know. He's just kind of a quirky guy, and there was a lot of other weird things going on, and the controversies of Deshaun and McCoy, like very popular players. But I mean, to some degree, with McCoy now, you can kind of understand it because he's getting into a lot of trouble and maybe is less than an ideal human. But definitely. But I, I think, like you know, Sixers took over for me. That the process meant a lot to me. I, I interned with the '87ers. I got to meet Sam Hinkie. Like I was starstruck, and the Eagles fell to the wayside. But there's always still something that brings me back to the Eagles season. And there's something about game day that's just always like more important. And I think what we're going to hit on most of the podcast is kind of the run up to the Super Bowl, what that Super Bowl meant to us and after. And, you know, from our our brief little chat beforehand, it it sounds like neither one of us had things kind of going for us. But I think, you know, in the aftermath of it, all of our problems have been solved. Eagles won the Super Bowl. Everything's no, that's not really true. Um, But yeah, so Seamus, why don't you, you know, if you want to talk about uh, anything beforehand that, to give a preface, then surely go ahead. But I think it'd be great to just kind of talk about like an Eagle season review, but our mental health version of it. Sure. And I think something that would be helpful is to give a little bit of background information on me and my college career, because I think that really plays a role in how I view the Eagles over the last two years since the, the beginning of the Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson era. So as I previously stated, I was originally slated to graduate in the spring of 2016 from the University of Pennsylvania. Um, At the beginning of my senior year in the fall of 2015, I experienced a manic episode. I wasn't aware that I had bipolar disorder, uh, something I was later diagnosed with. Um, I had known I had struggled with uh, depression and anxiety for years, but at that point in time, uh, it was going untreated. I hadn't met with a therapist or taken medicine in several years since uh, the end of high school, beginning of college, and stopping doing that and not taking care of myself really led myself to having an up and down and mixed college experience. Uh, so when I got to my senior year, I kind of, instead of just being my typical depressed or reserved self, I became extremely outgoing and sort of wild in a way. Uh, my friends nicknamed me New Seamus, which in retrospect is kind of hilarious and tragic that like they 
knew I had <laughs> they knew something was wrong, but not necessarily that I was having a manic yeah. episode because I didn't really even know what that entailed or meant at the time. For sure, yeah. Uh, so, uh, that goes on for the most of my senior year of college. I'm not going to class. I'm drinking five, six, sometimes seven nights a week, partying a lot, not really going to class, not doing work, failed a few classes. And then towards the end of my senior year, I start to have a gigantic, enormous crash from that episode into spiraling, spiraling into depression. And it hits me that, oh, I'm not graduating. I didn't go to classes. I'm not slightly graduate. I'm going to get kicked out of this school um which i obviously didn't tell anyone because i didn't know what to do so i faked my graduation oh goodness i did not know that no no very few people know this but i'm (laughs) fine talking about it so the way i did it and i'm entirely like entirely embarrassed by this i'm not saying it jokingly but i kind of laugh about it now to make myself feel better about how weird it was just I i had no idea what i was doing i just didn't really understand the consequences of my actions at the time, which is uh, frequently a symptom of mania. Yeah. So the day, like there was two parts of my graduation. One would be when your name gets called and you get a diploma for like my specific school. I was in the College of Arts and Sciences. And then the actual graduation day, we have the commencement speaker and everyone from all the different undergraduate schools is there. yeah. So I obviously live in Philadelphia, so my parents could have easily came for either day. And my parents were like, oh, should we come to this first day thing, which is when I would get my diploma. And obviously my name was not going to be called. Of course, yeah. And I was like, no, that's just for the business school. So you only have to come on Sunday. Gotcha. Which is, again, extremely terrible. I did this to these amazing people who sacrificed a lot to put me through uh, five and a half years of college, uh, ultimately. So that happens. All my friends think I graduate. I know I don't I didn't graduate and obviously can't really get a full-time job given that I don't have a college diploma. So I'm not lying about it on my resume or to potential employers. Um, so the only thing I really can do at this time is just bid my time and, you know, I start to drink a lot. But then eventually, uh, later into that summer, the summer of 2016, Penn, after frequently, frequently, frequently for the last several months trying to get in to contact me, they began texting me and they started calling my, my house phone at my house. So the only reason I really picked up was that I didn't want my parents to find out that I didn't yeah, graduate. So certainly. I needed to get in contact with them and kind of snuff that out. Yeah, so, certainly. So I meet with them and they're telling me that, you know, you need to you clearly have a medical problem. You're being placed on medical leave. You're allowed to return within one year, but in that time you need to get medically cleared. So you need to be meeting with a psychiatrist and a therapist regularly. Uh, I go to the school's counseling and psychological services. They put me in contact with a psychiatrist and therapist that I started seeing that summer and still see today. So that was sort of a grueling process. And I started trying out a few different medications of varying success to treat bipolar disorder, depression, anxiety, a lot of these issues and once that got a little more regulated, my parents were kind of on me about finding a job. And I had to start working for this construction company that I was the worst construction worker of all time. <laughs> I had to say that I feel like Bruce Springsteen sometimes in the sense, besides just being my favorite artist, he's sort of a fake blue collar guy. because a he, bit. Yeah, yeah. And I say this as I love him. I base my whole kind of political ideology around him in a way. But my dad's a very traditional South Philly blue collar working guy. Like always worked two jobs, always working with his hands. And me, I'm like, uh, you gotta get I have, it, I have bloggers fingers. Yeah. Yeah. And you, obviously you contributed to 
you know, Liberty Ballers. So at that time, that's what kind of kept me going. It's like, oh, I had this writing thing and maybe I could become a professional writer and and go from there. Um, But to sum it up a little bit, I did that for several months and then eventually came clean to my parents because once I found out in March of 2017 that I was allowed to return to Penn that year officially, I told my parents, this is obviously kind of a traumatic experience to discuss it with them. Uh, But eventually we, we worked through it. I returned to school and during that time, um, because of the my year off and sort of the healthy habits I picked up, it was an easier transition. But at the same time, I still felt really terrible given that, you know, I had the weight of guilt that I had for the way I, the last few years of my life I allowed to transpire in addition to the uncertainty financially for me because this is costing more and more money because Certainly. I had to keep going back to school and the uncertainty about the job market as someone who was just an English major who just spent five years at school while my friends were all out with, you know, relatively high paying jobs like in their own apartments. I'm still living at home making $150 a week with my financial aid student job. And I just didn't really know what my life was going to be or when I was going to get a job, what I was going to do. But I had the Eagles. Yeah. And I, I think that's, you know, maybe even more of a long form version of what I read. And, you know, I knew that was, um, you know, something that you could speak to today that I was really interested in hearing. And it's funny for me because the Chip Kelly era, uh, that's probably when things in my life actually started going a little bit better. So a little context to my college career. Um, I came in freshman year. I, uh, you know, had like a bunch of friends from high school because I'm from Delaware. Everybody goes UD. Right. Like it's just, that's just the thing. So that's I, where you went. Yeah. yeah. And I lived okay. with uh, somebody I went to high school with and then continue to live with people. Like through every year I lived with like every, somebody I went to high school with three years with like my, my very best friend ever. So how old are you now? I'm 25 now. Okay. I'm 24. Just putting okay. things into context. Yeah. So um, like I was having a good college career, but I didn't really want to acknowledge how bad my mental health was either. Absolutely. And freshman year, every time we drank, I was dating someone at the time. Like every time I drank, I'd have this nervous breakdown. And a lot of it is because my mother was an alcoholic. I felt like I was betraying some kind of rule I set for myself. And it it was very just like hard transition, even though I wasn't like always getting blacked out drunk and, you know, ruining my life. It just felt like the fact that I was even having a sip would, would send me into, you know, a spiral uh, and at one point they were like, okay, you need to see somebody. Uh, my girlfriend didn't believe in like mental health issues at all. She's like, no, you should just get over it. The girl I was dating earlier in college was very similar. And that led to me thinking that what I was dealing with wasn't actually true. And this was yeah. fake and I'm making it up and just allowed me to keep pushing and pushing the issues I had down further and further. Yeah. So they, they did actually encourage me though. Some of my other friends like go see somebody. So I went to the school counselors Yeah, and they, they had a similar experience. Like I, I kind of unloaded some stuff and the school counselors, if you've never been, they're basically support for more of like schools really stressing me out and like stuff like that. I went in and I started, you know, I rifled off like the PTSD story that was in episode one. And they, the, the woman was very nice, but she was like right away. was just like, I am not prepared above your pay grade. Yeah. Like I, so she gave me some recommendations and I just ignored them. I was like, okay, I know this now, but I just stopped drinking. I just went cold Turkey, stopped drinking and it was, it was fine. And I ended up breaking up with that girl and just kind of avoided alcohol for a bit. Then I had a couple of nights that were really bad. So I went like a whole summer without drinking, came back, kind of eased back into it. And those moments stopped happening, but I, I definitely had my, like my little bit of recklessness too. 
what happened really, you know, towards the end though, was I, I was kind of isolating myself, pushing people away. So coming out of school, I, I ended up living in like a basement with my friends, like uh, that were a little bit older. So I was getting more and more isolated and I was like, okay, I'm moving to Philly. And that was like the best decision of my life, you know, to be in the heart of the city and like the Eagles. And, you know, I, I kind of started like detaching from the Eagles. Like I remember the game where the Eagles went to overtime against against the Cowboys and like, it's a Cowboys game. Like, Oh yeah. It was 2015 Sunday night football. Yeah. And like it's Sam Bradford and he's still not quite figured out. Still when people believe Jordan Matthews was he had a great pass. There was like a 30 yard reception yeah. for a touchdown. I did not see that play. I went to bed. I was so stressed out about some girl that I didn't even really have anything going on with. I was just so stressed out. I, I went to bed instead and they ended up winning the game over time. And part of the reason I did is because I was like, at the time with Chip Kelly, I was just like, we're going to lose this game and I can't handle watching that loss right now to the Cowboys. So I went to bed and woke up the next day. I was like, okay, I'm kind of upset I missed it, but it wasn't like this major FOMO for me. So I, I yeah. really started falling out, find the Sixers, you know, working trade scenarios in my head daily, like on the trade machine, like all those hours I wasted. All the, so many hours in the trade machine in between 2013 and 2013. Yeah, and watching college basketball, which frankly I cannot stand, but I'm just trying to figure out the prospects and stuff like that. And, you know, arguing with people, is it Wiggins, is it Jabari Parker? And then at the end of the day, it's Joel Embiid, and he's better than I could ever imagine. How much I wanted Andrew Wiggins in 2014 is hilarious oh, in retrospect. Yeah. And, like, how much I wanted D'Angelo Russell. Oh, same. Then, I loved him. And at the end of the day, Russell and Okafor are still the wrong pick. It's it's poor singies, and we we whiffed on that one. Okay. But, you know, I once we got Carson Wentz, like, I remember there were some people, I mean, I'm sure we were on Twitter, so we saw it enough. People were like, nah, Carson's not the guy. Let's not do this. Mortgage not, the future. Yeah, don't mortgage the future. For me, I was like, go get a guy. Like, I can't keep watching this team with, like, the Bradfords, the, the Cobbs, especially. Like, Vic... Vic was an exciting period, but like certainly it was it wasn't the most stable period. Yeah, and I, I gotta say, I was one of the people bash Nick Foles when he came back because I was like, "There's no way this is going to work out." I never could have fathomed in a million years. On New Year's Eve this past year, I started drinking a little bit earlier in the day. I'm, I'm in Boston and I'm watching the game on my friend's laptop while he's watching the Patriots game on TV, and the Eagles lose six nothing to the Cowboys, and Nick Foles looked downright terrible oh, and i'm getting garbage. flights i'm like they should have signed kaepernick bring Roma out of retirement yeah. i don't care oh, this guy sucks the... yeah he's a loser and people are fighting like, oh man like 27 and 2 gotta give him a chance i'm like no i can't watch him lose a playoff game in person oh, come yeah myself. yeah it was <laughs> it was so depressing like i remember the day that carson went down a part of me died like i just remember thinking like i needed that and he's going and like that's the thing. I, I became a fan of Carson once again before I really became a fan of the Eagles again. And add a little bit more context of what my year was leading up to. I thought my depression was cured because I was starting to do creative things. I was going out with a consistent group of friends. So I felt welcome. And I started dating girls, super excited about. And then it all came crashing down when I decided to adopt a puppy. She broke up with me like two weeks after I adopted oh the puppy. Oh my god! So there was an episode about this. So I won't get too far into it. But I got to go back to, and listen. Obviously. This is news to Seamus, but I wasn't equipped to raise this puppy. Long story short, eventually I do not have the dog anymore. Yeah. But I had this dog throughout this Eagle season, so I didn't get to enjoy it in the sense of like my friends go to tailgates, I couldn't go because the dog had separation anxiety. I I'd watch them the games, but you know it's sometimes at halftime after running the bathroom. Good thing the Eagles were a lot during the season, just up by ridiculous <laughs> amounts. My life was spiraling out of control. 
we're you know we're leading up to playoffs. The Eagles are still the best team. I'm excited about it. And Carson goes down, and it just felt like, of course, this happened. I needed to be lifted up for a second just to be beaten back down. Yeah, I felt pretty similarly too. I was actually at that game oh, in L.A. Uh, so that was in Dece- that was December 10th, I believe, was the date of that game. And I graduated from school in December, so that game sort of fell in between the end of my classes and when I had to turn in my last paper or two yeah. for the school year. Uh, and during the the fall semester, I was applying a lot of jobs, wasn't getting any success at all, and really felt confused about my future. Was very worried about my financial situation in the present and it and the future as well. Uh, but I did get one hit from a tech sort of advertising startup and that was based in LA Oh, cool! and they presented an opportunity to me to go on a one week work trial in LA in December. So they said, we'll come out here for five days. You'll work five days for us during the week. We'll pay for your airfare, your Airbnb. We'll give you a nice food stipend. Is there a particular day that might work for you to come out to LA? And I'm thinking the Eagles play in LA in December (laughs) and I'm like, ah, yeah. What about, I could start work on Monday, December 11th. They're like, oh, that sounds great. I said, is there any way you could fly me up on December 10th just so I could get used to the time zone and everything? They're like, sure, sure. So I had a 6 a.m. flight out of PHL, quick 40-minute layover in uh, Chicago Hare, and then right to LAX, threw all my shit in my Airbnb, took a new Uber right to the Coliseum. I walk in. I like missed the first half of the first quarter, but I'm in there. Things are going great. Wentz throws three or four touchdowns in the first half, I think. And at halftime, I saw this this big dude in a, a Reggie White jersey. And I was like, yo, dude, you have to take my picture in front of the Coliseum. I have my hands raised. I'm just like, I'm on top of the world. I'm going to get this job in LA. The Eagles are going to win a Super Bowl. It's going to be the greatest thing of all time. Wentz blows out his knee, and I'm just walking out. And they ended up winning the game, barely. And I'm walking out of the stadium just distraught. I'm on their version of the subway or train back to Santa Monica where I was staying from downtown LA and my head is just resting on the window and glass of the, of the subway. I felt like it was the scene in Goodwill hunting when he goes home from his job as the janitor yeah. and he's going back to South. And I was just like, my life sucks. This is the life of the Eagles. Man. Yes. This is, like, this is how they did the most been. Eagles thing possible. That's yeah. how you knew they were going to win the Super Bowl is because he got hurt. They were that good. That's it just the yeah. universe needed to even out. I couldn't even fathom how good the team was. Like, I had seen all those McNabb teams, and I was like, how did this team not win the Super Bowl? Like, and then this team, like, I mean, we know multiple guys went down. Like, it, it, we defied so many odds. But when I still look at the team, like, and they could go 0-16 this year. Sure, I'd be upset. But to see what came together was beautiful. I will say, though, I wish I could have enjoyed it more. Because I was spiraling, and I also didn't believe in Foles, so I didn't really buy into the playoffs. So I think that kind of natural transition, you know, we, we watched Foles, and hit, if you've never had depression, watching Foles for some of those games would give you depression. <laughs> I, I always think Dallas back to, I don't know if you remember this game, it was in 2014, so it was the year following Foles really flash in the pan year, and he starts yeah. kind of crumbling. They played a game in Arizona, and it was the most uncomfortable experience I've ever had yeah. watching a quarterback play football. Yeah, he... He had his moments too. I remember um, when I was in college, I, I think it was still Foles. It could have been Bradford, but I, I believe it was still Foles. My friend won tickets to the Giants uh, Monday night game where we beat them like, I think it was like 16 to nothing or something like that. It might have been more than that, but essentially we blanked the Giants. I think it was Bradford. I think it was in 2015. Okay, it might have been Bradford. Yeah, yeah, but like, I remember going to that game and just like feeling so alive. And I was like, this is what the Eagles are about. And then it's just like, but it's just this bubble moment that nothing else of the Eagles at the time matched it because yeah. it was just like that was a beautiful game of course i was there so i think it was maybe 24 nothing but 
you know, that meant a lot to me to, to shut out the Giants meant a lot. Definitely. But nothing else, like, even hit on that kind of radar. So once we went back to Foles for the playoffs, it felt like the same thing. And I actually dug up one of my tweets of the preseason. I was like, you know, going from once the Foles, it's like going from your soulmate to your ex who backpedaled out of your life. Oh, like, <laughs> essentially, that's what it felt like because it was like, True. yeah, you when you get back to your, to your ex, like, it feels good for a little bit. And then it's, you know, you realize why you broke up. That was like, hey, what did the Super Bowl? Like, you know what? Oh, yeah, we, it was great. This is why we fell in love. And then it's like the preseason is like, right. Like, that's why. But you leave your laundry on the floor. That's why we broke up. Yeah. But we won the Super Bowl. So you can't take that away from us. Um, my girlfriend gets pissed because I always say Eagles won Super Bowl 52 because she's not a big Eagles fan. She also gets pissed that I always say she's vegan. So I had to drop that in there just to upset her a little bit. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so we're leading up to the playoffs. Foles looks atrocious. In my head, I'm like, okay, we, we still have the first round by. I'm like, we're going to steal the first game, and then we're going to probably get blown out in the champion game. That's what my opinion was going into the Falcons game. They're going to lose this game. It's going to be a really drug-out, disgusting 14-9 to score, and they end up winning 15-10. It was still a disgusting game. Yeah, it was like game. the same disgusting, game. Disgusting, disgusting we, game. We pulled it off. Freezing cold. And it was went as bad as what I expected to go, but I kind of thought the scores would be flipped. Yeah. To be honest, so I, I thought they were going to lose that game then. You know, the next day, Minnesota Miracle, Vikings beat Saints. Okay, we're playing the Vikings next week. And, you know, I think we're going to win this game. And I go there with my friends. And, you know, I was in a row of 12 people. Like, rows, seats 1 through 12 were all yeah. people, my family, my friends. And sure. by, the, by the time the second quarter hit, it was just a fucking party in the stadium because they were beating them so badly. Yeah, and I, I remember... It was my- the best experience possible for a game like that because there was no anxiety re- related to it. It was just fun. It was just... you. F- pure euphoria that I've never experienced before. Yeah, and I think it was interesting for me because my father came over and me and my father have had some like tense relationship over the years, but you know, this this was a good time for him to come over because I had to go to like New York the next day for work or something and I was like, hey, it'd be nice if we could watch the game. You can watch the dog so I don't have to worry about like daycare really early in the morning so I got to be there at like 9 a.m. in New York for work, this like training thing that I didn't want to go to. Yeah. But I had to go. So he comes over, and we're watching this game, and I'm like, he's like, oh, how do you feel about it? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't have that sick feeling in my stomach. The, the sick feeling I had in my stomach was 2008 against the uh, the Cardinals. The Cardinals, yeah. The championship game. I actually got sick. And I remember I wasn't watching the first half because I just literally had, like, the worst flu of my life. And I hear everybody downstairs groaning, and then I hear them cheering. I turn it on. But I just knew that whole week just something didn't feel right. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't have that with the Vikings game. But I was still like, are we really here? Is this happening? That's what also felt terrible is that the Vikings got the ball first in the game. Marched yeah. right down the field and scored. Yeah. Down 7 nothing, run up the bat. We get the ball. Three and out. Oh, my God. I've seen this game a hundred times before. This is how it Definitely. goes. Just death by a thousand little cuts or whatever you want to yeah. say. And Patrick Robinson's interception happens oh, it's the was... loudest i've ever heard a sporting event in my life i'm getting tackled in the row beers flying <laughs> everywhere i'm screaming i'm crying and nothing was ever the same again in my life after that play yeah i feel like and that that was like the moment you're like oh my god like it, you know there's always that moment where people are like well when did the phillies like you know they're gonna win the world series some people say the victorino victorino was slam, the one for me, like, and that was mine that was mine yeah there's some people that say stairs. were holding off there were stairs but like you know, when the Patrick Robinson one happened, it was like, oh my God, this might happen. Yeah. And, you know, that game goes amazing. And I'm like four blocks from Broad Street. My dad's like, 
yeah, go celebrate a little bit. I take the dog at first because, you know, everybody's out there and stuff. And I take the dog out. And then I go back and my dad's like, no, I'll go out for some more. And I didn't go out and, like, chug a beer. I didn't, like, try to make friends with people. I just stared and Soaked awe. it all in. Yeah, I just was just like, I, I had the chills and I was like, we're celebrating like we already won the Super Bowl. And I can't imagine we're not now. And and then two weeks that happened, I was a nervous wreck. Like I, oh it God. was. But I remember even like Brandon Lee Galton wrote this uh, this article the night before. He's like, the "Eagles are gonna win the Super Bowl." Like I don't know why I'm this confident. It's just gonna happen. And even I then I was like, I think he's right. I can't. Even... I went back and forth so many I know, but then, like I played about in my head. I, I played. Win or lose. I played Tom Brady doing it. Like I was watching the Jaguars Panthers game. and I was like pumped. I was like, yes, we're gonna play the Jaguars. We can beat them. And if we don't, like, I still feel like, okay, because it's not the fucking Patriots. And then the Patriots came back and I went, oh, no. Like, again. But, you know, in the moment, I'm just like, all right, Tom Brady, let's do it again. Yeah. Like, I'm going to, like, I'm going to get my fucking heart back. Like, that's what I tweeted out. I was like, you stole my heart in 2004. I'm taking it back right now. And that whole week, I'm a nervous wreck. And I'm like, I, I make an agreement with my dad. I'm like, can you watch the dog for a few days? I'm already making the arrangements to work, like. The Eagles had the parade. I'm not coming to work. Like, I just tell my boss, like, I'd rather quit than miss this Eagles parade. What I told a lot of people at that time was I very conveniently timed my unemployment to be able to. <laughs> I had no responsibilities in the world whatsoever at that time, so it worked out pretty well for me. Yeah, so Super Bowl game, that was, like, the greatest and just, like, biggest relief of my life. And I wish I could go back and live in that night and just enjoy it so much more. Like I can watch the game now and be really excited. So I think, you know, th- this is the time, this is what we've been leading up for. This is, you know, everything. I was hitting my lowest point in life as yeah. we go to the Super Bowl. Like I've dealt with depression, anxiety, but I was so certain. I thought I was failing this, this puppy that was so adorable. I thought my life was over because I couldn't go out. I was struggling at work. I was like fighting for promotion. My love life was non-existent i was like disappointing people left and right i just it was as bad as it could be but i had it all set up that i could go and I, we watched the adobe you know the, the bar of course twitter and uh we go and for me the first half like i was i was getting a couple drinks but like i was just legitimately amped up i'm on my chair screaming starting chants like i was trying to be the band leader so I, I, where did you watch the game? So I had a completely different experience. So before the game, I went to a party at University of Penn and just some backfield. A lot of my friends still went yeah. to the school. I was still close to a lot of people that still yeah. went to the school. So they're like, oh, shame. We're throwing like a big outside party. You got to stop by. And I was like, all right, all right, I'll go up there. So I go up there. I'm having fun. It's a little rainy out, but it's awesome seeing all these people. It felt yeah. like a... Like before a wedding or something, I'm yeah. seeing all these people from all these different parts of my life. It's like, this is the biggest day of my life. I need to see all of you and have you be yeah. a part of it. And I'm partying. I'm having fun, drinking a lot up there. Taking an Uber to my best friend Mike's house in South Philly. I'm watching it with both my parents, his mom, his sister, his girlfriend, and one of his sister's friends yeah. in their house. And go in there, have a drink when I get in, and it hits about 6 o'clock, and my stomach just flips. I didn't drink the entire game, and... I felt so, the entire game I watched with the trash can from his bathroom in between my legs because I was so sick and I'm so scared that I was going to throw up at any instant. At halftime, I had to go outside and just get fresh air. I was just had a four hour panic attack. essentially. Yeah. And so I had a similar experience in the second half. So the first half, I'm amped up like it went. I don't think I cheered on a single play until the Brandon Graham thing. Yeah. I like I like 
even Philly special, I just sat there like. I'm still waiting for the other half to drop the entire yeah, time. Yeah, well, so we were at Adobe, so it was it's a, a different, hard. definitely different yeah, atmosphere. Was, yeah, we we were getting amped up. You know, we're we're reacting to every play with like screaming, <laughs> but that was that was the thing though. It was like every play, you know, we were screaming the first half, and it went beautifully. It was like you know, defense was still a little bit like, what are you Shaky. guys doing? But like you know, offense, it just the game was just back and forth. But you know, people outside of Philly Twitter is like, why do you guys always say like? Tom Brady dropped the pass and Nick Foles catch it. Like, who cares? Like, I get it. It's the same play, but it's like, that doesn't happen for the Eagles. You don't, you didn't live through the previous yeah, like, 60 years of the Eagles existence. In the, in the, in the other experience, we throw an interception and Tom Brady somehow breaks a, a run for a touchdown. Like yeah. that's, that's the Eagles I know. So we it goes ha- that Teddy Bruschi was going to come out and pick off that throw from yeah. Trey Burton. Yeah. So like halftime, my mood completely changes because it hits me. I'm like, this could be real, but this is the Patriots. Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're watching the halftime show. Not really. We're just all talking and stuff. You know, I'm with there with some of my best friends, River, Nat, Swelly, Mike. Um, I'm sure I'm forgetting people. And I'm sorry. But, like, because it, it's just a blur. It's just a great sure. day. And the second half hits, and I stopped drinking. Yeah. I just, I stopped talking. I stopped chanting. I'm just watching the screen more intently than I've watched anything in my life. And I had... Just like the same thing you had, you know, where it's like you don't cheer, you just you just stay still, and the Patriots come back, and there was just this moment, and that this is the most pivotal moment, and I shared this with my friends a couple of days um, after I had been going through a rough time, and I I considered killing myself again, which is not unusual for me, but it was this probably the strongest it had ever been, and it was so disappointing to have that moment during the Super Bowl, but something in me something possessed me to just look up to the sky and say look if you let them come back and win this this game i'll just fight like i wasn't going to kill myself necessarily if the eagles also super what i said if they win if they can pull this off this thing that i've been waiting for forever this little bit of hope i'll fight i'll try i'll do whatever it is that i have to do to keep myself alive because i'm asking for this one thing i know it's not great to pray for the eagles but you know i do that as probably the patriots go up Brandon Graham, as soon as I like put together what just happened, I break down crying. And, yeah, it's, and my friends same. are like, wow, he really likes the Eagles. And of course, I would have cried either way. But that was also, I get to live. It was the greatest cry I've ever experienced in my life. Yeah. And there's there's a beautiful picture of me and Swelly. Like, he's holding me. We're both crying. I It's just, it all just came out. And I, I know there was, there was still game to be played. And some of us were like, hey, stop celebrating because, you know, the Patriots did have a chance. Yeah. But when, when you know, we hit the, the field goal just to make sure, you know, I just like, whew, it was like finally. And life kind of started correcting itself there. And I still had some pain. I had to give away the puppy after the Super Bowl. That was still yeah. hard. But that moment was like, okay, the world just gave me one. Yeah, and I know that was your tweet a couple of days ago. It's like you you crying, like you're talking to your dad. He's also crying, and you're just like, yeah, he just looked at me, and we're we're just like screaming. Like I don't even. I thought we were gonna get some tuck roll bullshit on the play. I didn't realize yeah. it was a clean swipe, and also Derek Barnett caught it, it, didn't hit the ground or anything. Yeah, I yeah. didn't really realize in the immediate chaos of everything, and we're just screaming. The Eagles are getting out in the field. I don't even know if they're running a play yet, and like I'm on the ground bawling my eyes out i get up i'm hugging my mom my buddy mike his sister Brittany, all these people my dad just like grabs me by the shoulders and he's just tears and my dad's gigantic he's six four <laughs> like 280 285 and he just like grabs me and goes the eagles are gonna win the fucking super bowl <laughs> and i just collapse on him yeah and 
we all did that. We we just hugged, you know, went to the floor, and we were at Adobe, so we're not even a block from Broad Street. Exactly. Out. And I gotta say, the funny thing was, I think the the championship celebration was better, but the the Super Bowl one, it was just all of us in disbelief. I think the best one was there was a picture of River where you just like see his eyes, and he's just like, I can't believe this. Nat is freaking out, going, I can't believe I live in Philly for this. I, for good luck, wore this like Eagles beanie that i've had since a kid that's dirty and crummy and like i've worn it through so many winters of eagles losing and winning and i just remember like in just this dramatic fashion throwing it in the air and going like that that old eagle was gone like, yeah fuck you know, it. It, it was it was just and you know, all the fireworks and I, I my stomach started feeling eh towards the end of the celebration so i went home but i couldn't even sleep because you know you hear the people celebrating you hear the helicopters and it's great and then, you know, the parade is a couple of days later and I, I kind of fell a little bit back on my depressive funk and that was upsetting because it was supposed to be this big celebration and I couldn't really enjoy it for what it was. But now there's just such great memories and I get to watch the Eagles this year as Super Bowl champs. Like I, I want Carson Wentz to go back and win a Super Bowl, but you can't take it away from me now. No, it'll never be the same again, which is fine that you need to, ex- I needed to experience it. Yeah. The, the first time. And I think... You know, if the Sixers, and I've said this to people, if the Sixers win the championship with, you know, Embiid, uh, Simmons, Fultz, that might be more personal for me because I felt more I, I, I relate the to process. the Sixers more on a personal level. And yeah. I, really, to the, I would prefer, people have asked me this question, oh, would you rather the Eagles win the Super Bowl? Would you rather the Sixers win the championship? And it's definitely Eagles just because of yeah. such a universal starting yeah, concept, but... I care more about the Eagles, but the Sixers mean more to me, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I completely... Like, somebody said, like... Because I've know. also had to foster a real personal connection with the t- team over the years as Certainly. sort of being a leading blogging voice uh, on kind of on Sixers Twitter and sort of starting a lot of the discourse and kind of originating yeah. the discussion around the team for a while. So, especially during a, such a terrible era of basketball where I kind of made my name up for myself blogging when they were a laughing stock in the league. Yeah. And also, there's there was a little bit of that Eagles team... Like, there was a few guys that we had seen for years, but it came together so fast. Yeah. It's just, like, Alshon Jeffrey and Carson Wentz are players that we have. Like, this is insane. Like Nelson Aguilar isn't a total bust. Yeah, like, it was just, you know, and it's not to say we didn't connect to those players, but the, the Sixers, it's like, we've been so I've deep been, in I've draft. been going to the bat for Joe Embiid for yeah. four years now. And there was definitely a moment where, like, my friend's like, yo, the, the Eagles are, like, the leading team in the league, like... You know, are you happy? I'm like, no, because Markel Fultz doesn't have a shot. And he goes, yeah, but they might win the Super Bowl. And I was like, I w-. And in this moment, I said this, but I don't believe it now. But I was like, I wouldn't trade Markel Fultz shot for a Super Bowl. Oh, my God, I would. And that's what I <laughs> I remember in January after the Vikings game, there were a few shots that came out on or videos of him shooting free throws on Twitter. And uh. I just quote tweeted it and it said, you said you would do anything for the Eagles to win the Super yeah. Bowl. And then from God. Yeah, when they won the Super Bowl, I was like, oh, yeah, Markel Fultz's arm can fall off, and this is fine. Um, but, yeah, and then, like, things did end up turning around for me, but there was obviously actions I had to take. It wasn't the Eagles cured my life. Yeah. But um, I really want to talk about the aftermath of the Super Bowl for you. Sure. Because we we kind of officially met today, but we met once before. Yeah. I met you at a Queenie Jeans concert. And I met your girlfriend. Yes. So you need to tell that story because after all the you know, depression stuff, I think this is it's a very good and ending. Hilarious. Yeah. Yes. And just to go more of an overview at first, it really felt like I'd always said for years and years and years that when the Eagles win the Super Bowl, it'll change my life forever. <laughs> and it really was one of the things where the actual game and that experience and that euphoria of letting go of 
nearly 24 years worth of struggle or depression or anxiety sure. or any sort of friendship, relationship, family issues, all of those just seem to fade away in an instant with that strip sack. So merely following the game, me and my dad have had like a bottle of whiskey for years that we never opened that we were saving for when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. So we ripped that open, put it in flasks, uh, start filling backpacks up with beer. A couple of us go down to Broad and Chunk in South Philly and we're walking around there and I felt like I saw people I hadn't seen in half a dozen years, 10 years, and I yeah. just hug it and I'm crying. I'm just like, I love you. Like people I would never sometimes might not even recognize or see walking down the street. I was like, I fucking love you. Yeah. This is the most amazing thing ever. And, you know, I, I was, I stayed out, went to a bar for a little bit in South Philly, like left a, left a backpack of beer outside when the bar closed, went and grabbed a backpack of beer. Yeah. Still started, stayed out for like three or four, I think. Just an unbelievable experience. Uh, I wake up the next day and it's one of those, I can't believe this isn't a dream. I wake up. Yeah. So then me and my buddy, Mike, who I mentioned, I watched the game with my best friend. We're like, uh, we're going to the pro shop and I don't have a job. I don't have a lot of money, but I'm spending all the money I have <laughs> at the pro shop right now. Oh yeah. So we go down there and he sees a couple of his buddies there and like, oh, we're going to McGillan's after this. Do you want to come? We're like, hell yeah, we're going, to- I'm not going to stop drinking yeah. ever. And so I go there and immediately after the Super Bowl, the night before, I had tweeted out a picture of the famous VJ Sailor Kiss picture. Yes. Uh, just very nonchalant saying, oh, me and your girl on Broadstreet. It wasn't, I wasn't soliciting a kiss or saying I wanted to no. recreate this. It was just a typical joke I would make in something I had saved in my drafts for like two weeks to, yeah, yeah. before the Eagles were going to win. And a girl, she didn't follow me at the time. I didn't follow her response because it got, you know, a decent amount of retweets. Maybe like yeah, 15, 20 or whatever. Yeah. yeah. At the time. Like now, I can't tell because that picture got retweeted a bunch. I don't know what the original count was when she saw it or anything. Yeah. But a girl replies to me and she says, we should recreate this picture at the parade. And I'm drinking with my friend Mike and my other friend, Mike Hemsher. And I'm like, did this girl reply to me? About, like, <laughs> kissing me. He's like, should I do it? And I was like, they're like, yeah, sure, whatever. And I was like, texting her. And I was like, oh, my DMs are open. Like eyes emoji yeah so she slides and she's like i'm dead serious we should do this it'd be hilarious and i was like i'm down i live in south philly and she goes oh like i am gonna be at like broad and federal at the parade and i was like i'll be at broad and chunk i could walk down right after the parade yeah. passes by me and we'll meet up she's like sure that's awesome so i get her phone number and i text her thursday morning the day of the parade so that was monday get her phone yeah. number text her thursday morning so still down for today or no i, I said um are you still down for tomorrow, like on Wednesday night? Yeah, and she's yeah. like, absolutely. I was like, okay, I like this girl. <laughs> and so Thursday morning, I sent her the pic- the original picture. I was like, you ready to do this? And she was like, oh, yeah, I'm here on Broad and Federal. I was like, cool, I'll let you know when I walk down. Uh, I'm like super drunk. I'm like crushing beers with my friends. I have to, to walk in with my friends from Broad and Chunk to Broad and Federal. Like, I'm really kind of fucked up and I'm trying to meet her and like the connection's not working weird. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I'm not, I just walked right down here and I can't find this girl and these mob of people. And she's like, oh, my God, my phone's on 1%. My phone's about to die. I'm like, I'm going to, like, tell myself that I have to. Not really, but just, like, that's my thought at the just time. Like, like, oh, again, like, of course this happens. Uh, I thought these days were over of just yeah, yeah. Running, going on a, you know, running around town for a girl and not coming to fruition. So I'm yeah. just like, I was so drunk and so tired. I was like, I'm sitting down on the ground outside the Pet Boys at Broughton Federal. So I'm just sitting there on one of those, like, parking curb things. Yeah, yeah and i'm sitting there and a girl just comes down and sit next to me and she goes are you shameless and i was like yes and she's like let's do this <laughs> so we go in the street my buddy enzo snaps a few pictures of us we do the kiss 
and that was it. Like we hadn't met for maybe tops like 30 seconds. We're, she was a little drunky bunky too. She goes, we go our separate ways. I go back to my buddy Mike's girlfriend's house, Liz. She's having a little get together there. I tweet out the picture and within a few minutes, it went mega viral. Like yeah. Hundreds of retweets in a couple, just a couple of minutes. I'm like, what the fuck did I just do? Like, yeah. what, what is happening? And I'm getting paranoid. I'm like, oh my, because just people replying to me like, oh my God, it's so weird. This is so crazy. And newspaper reporters or TV reporters are all DMing me. Oh my God, can we use this picture? Can we use this picture? Within a half hour, CBS National News had a, a Twitter video about it. And I'm just like, what is going on yeah. with my life right now? So I, I call my dad. Who was that? He unfortunately had to work the day of the parade. Oh, that sucks. So I go... Uh, dad, there's something I need to tell you. And he's like, yeah, what is it? And he goes, and I explained the whole thing. And he goes, oh yeah, someone at work just told me that. I was like, why did you make me explain it then? <laughs> he goes, oh, so I'm at, I'm at work and a guy goes to me, Clance, I just saw your son on the news. And I'm thinking, oh my God, what did he do? Did he climb a pole? Did he get arrested? Did he take his shirt off? And they're like, oh no, no, it's really cool. Yeah. He's like, oh, that's actually awesome. So that's going wild. And I'm texting her. I was like, can you believe that? Her name's Ashley. Uh, I'm like, this is wild. Can you? Well, I'm glad you got her name. Yeah, I should have said that earlier, unfortunately. <laughs> and we were just both in shock that this was happening. And you know, go to bed. I wake up on Thursday, on Friday. The calls from CBS Three News are like, "Oh, we want to do a story. You need two guys or whatever. Can you meet today?" And she's like, "Oh, I, I can meet you after work." So we go and we go to Broad and Federal on Friday night. And, you know, get interviewed by one of the guys there for a short clip for the 11 o'clock news. And then I do like a short interview for 94.1 on a phone call with, I think, Joe Giglio and Jack Fritz. And, you know, we ended up going on a date that night, just like grab the drink and bite to eat at Pup on Passion Geese. And then went and grabbed the drink at Triangle Tavern, just hung out and had a really good time. And then that day also a reporter from... Fox 29, good morning, Philadelphia had reached out to us. I'm like, do you want to come on the show on Monday? And I was like, uh, yes, I do. <laughs> so then we we meet up on Monday before she went to work. So we go into the show there. It's like really awkward, but kind of funny. Mike Jarek's being kind of a weirdo, goofy guy. As usual. Yeah, par for the course. And he goes, we're sitting there on there. And he goes, well, uh, tomorrow is our Wednesday's Valentine's Day. Do you have any plans to ask her out, Seamus? And I'm like, uh, do you want to go out on Valentine's Day? And she goes, uh, yeah, sure. And he goes, ooh, yeah, sure. That's not a great answer. And I was like, better than yeah, no, Mike. <laughs> uh, so we ended up going out on Valentine's Day, have a good time. And things sort of spiraled from there. We started dating very shortly after. And things have gone really, really well. We just moved in together recently. Um... So the Eagles really, really did take for the Eagles winning the Super Bowl for me to get my life together. Yeah, so. Eagles, I, like I said, just solved every problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was like, I remember, you know, we, we don't know each other that well. Like we just recently started connecting for real. But, um, yeah. you know, I'd followed you just because of Liberty Ballers and stuff sure. like that. And when I saw that tweet, I was hanging out with some other people in Philly Twitter. And I was like, Seamus just moved in with his girlfriend. And they're like, are the broad shoot? I was like, yeah, yes. like and, one in the same. And that was another vote. I was like, I, I need to fucking interview this guy because the Eagles literally just like gave him a lot. Or just like, in mind, I owe my life to the Eagles winning the Super Bowl. I feel yeah. like. So, yeah, if they win again, I guess just I don't know. Get, like somebody's gonna give you a million dollars. I think yeah, <laughs> just just keep uh, just selling out. I'll sell out to any degree to get oh, some yeah. free stuff. Yeah, for sure. 
Well, yeah, so hopefully the Eagles have another good season. Foles didn't look great in the preseason, but Wentz will be back. Uh, this is obviously not an Eagles podcast. There are so many that are doing so much better than I am uh, at that. So we're just going to stick to the mental health. But, yeah, the Eagles, you know, it, a lot of people just say it's just football. But, you know, I I like Silver Lions playbook, but it, it didn't do it enough justice. Like I will say that I never thought that movie was good in the sense because I related it too much. And I always said... I could make a better movie about being a bipolar Eagles fan who has terrible relationship and family problems. Yeah. But actually, during the playoff run, I, I just needed stuff to occupy my mind because I was going yeah. crazy in the week. I wasn't working. I was just kind of cu- caught up. It was winter. I was in my parents' house. And I just started like reading a ton of books. And I read Silver Lines Playbook, the actual original novel. Yeah. And it was infinitely better than the movie. And that happens a it lot. Was, which certainly par for the course. But I related to it a lot more, and it felt really good to be reading it during that run in between the Falcons and Vikings game, and uh, really spoke to me. And I think uh, the way the parade and everything's transpired for me afterwards really felt, you know, really fitting. I felt like I'm the uh, personification of that in a way. If that doesn't sound too narcissistic, no, and that that I I'd agree with that. But I think even the whole city, like we all felt the change. Like it, it was like. Walk around Philly right now where you know that everybody's not mad about the Eagles. They're just mad about the other shit they're mad about. Like, it's still infinitely better. And there there was just, like, this whole fresh air in the city when they won. Like, it was just insane. So, yeah. So, hopefully it's some more championships. I'm hoping for the Sixers next. I'm actually holding my breath that I'm going to get Sixers season tickets. But uh, every few weeks... I contact a guy and he goes, yeah, I'll tell you in a few weeks. And the season's <laughs> almost started. So I guess halfway through the season's when I'll like hear about yeah. if I get tickets or not. But yeah, so Seamus, I want to thank you for coming on. Is there anything you want to plug? I mean, obviously your Twitter's out there. Yeah, you just follow me on Twitter, at Seamus underscore Clancy. Don't really have anything else going on in my media or writing portfolio. So okay. nothing All else right. to plug. Just take care of yourself. Practice self-care. Love the people in your life. Don't be afraid to tell other men, if you're a man, that you love them. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I definitely suggest uh, following Seamus if you're a Philly sports fan. I, I know you're pretty good on like some photoshops. You always do good Yeah, job. like goofy Snapchat. My, my favorite is actually when you do song lyrics, though. That's That was one of my original ones, and it, it was funny that people would then tell me, like, oh, I know you're out drinking because you're doing like song <laughs> quotes and and either Sixers or Eagles. Which I was like, yeah, that's like the total giveaway that I'm out drinking. We're at Adobe Cafe or something. Yeah, so definitely give Seamus a follow, even if you're not a Philly sports fan. Definitely a good follow on Twitter. You can always follow us at Neurotica the Pod on Twitter. And if you want to hear more terrible jokes, as always from me, you can follow me at CodeRent. Thank you for listening to Neurotica.